And now it's time for the Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Dalton. Welcome to the Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven Podcast. I'm Dalton Sweat, sitting here with Chris Dukes, the publisher of Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven. And uh, I just wanted to start out, let's just find out a little bit more about what Longhorn Maven is, Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven. Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven is a team-specific site. It's uh, it's a place where you can find everything that you really need to know about Texas Longhorn football. Not only do we publish original content from mostly from from yours truly, uh, you know, as in depth coverage as we can get on the team. We also uh, it's also a place where you can find curated content from other websites. Uh, we we go through and scour the web so you don't have to. Anything anything related to Texas, anything relevant to Texas is is on our site. There's also uh, a community and you know, a place for other for people to talk peer to peer. Texas Longhorn football. It's a it's a one stop shop for for everything you need to know about UT. And you can find that information at uh, si.com slash college slash Texas. Exactly. We are we are in the process of a an overhaul and moving onto the Sports Illustrated Network, which should give us a lot more resources and uh, a lot more opportunities to uh, to cover the team even better than we are now. Mm-hmm. Well, um, let's go ahead and get into it. This is. Uh, a podcast mainly focusing on the Longhorn OSU game, uh, a 36 to 30 victory for the Longhorns. And while, you know, uh, Texas being, you know, ranked 11th in the country, um, OSU unranked, you kind of would hope that maybe it's not something uh, that you wouldn't have hoped to be that close, a six point victory. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, OSU has dominated Texas for the better part of a decade at this point. A, a win is a win for this program for for UT when it comes to facing OSU. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's been since 2008 that Texas has won on their on it on its own home turf against Oklahoma State, and the whole the whole the whole message going into the week was this was just another game, but you could tell for the seniors that it wasn't. They <laughs> those guys didn't want to go out with, with without beating Oklahoma State. They haven't beaten them. It had been four straight victories for Oklahoma State coming into this. Uh, it, it was it it meant something special and it meant something extra. Uh, going back to your point about the you know the six point victory, it, it was, the game you could you could argue wasn't quite that close most of the way through. I mean there was there was a late Oklahoma State score and then an onside kick. You know Oklahoma, Texas Texas was able to kind of separate in the fourth quarter and and build build a two score lead, which I mean luckily they did because Spencer Sanders had had a uh, had a nice little run to try to. Uh, to try to try and close close the gap towards the end. Yeah. Well, and and also to that point, it was some special teams gaffes that helped keep uh, OSU in the ball game. You know, a couple muff punts and and stuff like that. So you're right. I think when you looked at the two football teams uh, between the hash marks, they were the Longhorns were significantly the better the better ball club. But in, in the end, it, it it was a little bit of a scare. It, it definitely was. And in going back to the special teams gaff, uh, the the first one was, you know, freshman mistake from Jake Smith. I I, I, I know that Tom Herman still has complete trust in, in Smith and fielding the ball. The second one, Herman kind of fell on the sword for. He he's 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 preached and preached to his guys to field a punt, field a punt if it's physically possible to field a punt to do it. And he didn't really relay the situation to Brandon Jones as well as he could have. 
Uh, he, he mentioned in the, in the press conference after the game was over that if he could go back and do it again, he would have told him to obviously get as far away from that football as he could have. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, uh, it was a learning experience. And luckily for Texas, it was a learning experience that they can, you know, they can sit back after a win and look at that stuff on film rather than a loss. Yeah. The, uh, the Longhorns evicted the landlord. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, you know, that, that landlord, uh, the guy with the mullet that kept coming down here and demanding <laughs> rent, uh, he's, he's, <laughs> He's finally uh, had to give the keys back to DKR, back back to Tom Herman and company, and I'm, I'm sure that they're very happy to take him at this point. Well, let's get into some of the, the keys to the game, and I mean, you have to start with Sam Ellinger. I mean, there's just no no other way around it. Four touchdowns, one interception, first of the season. Um, he's had an incredible start, 281 yards passing on 20 of 28. The accuracy that Sam Ellinger has shown wasn't there his freshman year, you know, wasn't really there last year, but it has really uh, stood out through the first couple of games of the season. Right. And, and I don't know that it's necessarily anything different that he's doing as far as throwing the ball more accurately, as much as it is the command that he has of this offense right now in, in his third year, he, he knows he he's, he's playing chess instead of checkers. Now when, when he's throwing the football, mm-hmm. he's throwing to spots and he's throwing, to where the play is designed to be rather than reacting to the defense and reacting to the receivers. The game has really slowed down for him, and I think that reflects a lot in, in the stats that he's been able to put up so far this year. So I saw a headline that said, Ellinger dominates OSU with another Heisman-worthy performance. Those are big words. Um, I mean, Ellinger has gotten a lot of preseason praise, um, but I think everybody's pretty much just said uh, – OUQB number three, pencil him in for the Heisman. Um, Ellinger's trying to make his own case so far. Uh, 1,237 yards passing, 72% completion rating. We mentioned one interception to just 15 touchdowns. He is throwing together a heck of a year. He, he is, and I think the, the only thing that's hurt him so far is the head-to-head loss with Joe Burrow, who's another Heisman mm-hmm. contender. It, it kind of knocked him... You know, just just onto the bubble of people that you know are being mentioned on a regular basis. But there's no doubt that that Sam Ellinger is a Heisman contender this year, uh, and he's going to get his shot against uh, against OU and against against OU quarterback number three, as you said, <laughs> uh, probably two shots before it's all said and done. So it, it's definitely within it's. Very much within reason that, that Sam Elliott could be holding the Heisman Trophy at the end of the season. I think as long as UT remains in the conversation for you know a, a berth into the Final Four, that's probably something that's a, the conversation to say the least. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know the award over the past few years has kind of become a the quarterback on one of the best teams award more than necessarily the most outstanding player in, in college football. Yeah. And, and and Sam is definitely one of the better quarterbacks in, on one of the better teams. You know, we'll see as the season plays along how just just where he ranks and all and everything else, but I mean it's all on the table for sure. So I, I wanted to ask you about this. One of the talking points that we've seen post game um from from the the collective talking heads of uh, of UT football is uh fourth down, fourth and three should shouldn't uh, Coach Herman ha- have gone for it? Should he kick the field goal, or maybe just a different play call? Um, I, I know when you've got Sam Ellinger, potential Heisman, you know at least a Heisman candidate, and you hand the ball off to a rookie quarterback who's playing running back on fourth down and three. That I, I can see why people are, are, are at least questioning at this point. Yeah, it, it's 
you know, Coach Herman man- mentioned after the game that if he could go back, he would he would still go for it, but probably would have changed up the play call. You saw really what I would think that play would be in, later on in the game in the fourth quarter whenever they ran the run-pass option with Sam Ellinger on the edge on, on the third down that sealed the game, something along those lines. I, I think I think in crucial go-to situations, you, you really want to get your mobile quarterback out on the edge and, and let him have the choice to take it with his legs or his arm mm-hmm. because that, that, plays, that plays everything that, that Sam Ellinger is good at. Yeah. And, uh, Chris, one of the benefits of being the publisher of Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven is you also get to go to the postgame press conferences. And you had an opportunity to uh, uh, hear from Coach Herman uh, about that specific play. For the fourth down call, uh, not the decision to go for it, but um, went to the well one too many times on a, on a play that had been good to us uh, the entire year and uh, should have known they'd be, be in a all-out cover zero blitz to, to stop that play. And, um, you know, I was disappointed in myself on that. So Coach Harmon um, seemed to agree with you a little bit in terms of maybe a different play call, but he was pretty steadfast in wanting to in wanting to go for it in those types of situations. Oh, yeah, and and one of the things that gets mentioned a lot on the UT beat is the, uh, the binder, which is really Herman has pretty much every situation – charted out and knows when he's going to go for it in what situation uh it, it's it's an analytics game you hear a lot about it with or you've been hearing more about it with the jeff mumpkin and uh in army but a lot of coaches do it you know it, it takes emotion out of, of the situation and obviously the binder at that situation said we're going for it so an, another big story coming out of this game was the re-arrival if you will of Keontae ingram uh in the offseason Everybody was hoping to see a Texas running back, a true Texas running back, one workhorse come out and, and take over a ball game. And we haven't seen that from Keontae Ingram early on in the season. But this last game, he really made himself known. Uh, 114 yards on 21 carries. He was starting to show a bit of that promise that a Longhorn fans had been looking for early on in the season. Yeah, you know, he going back to earlier in the season, I know the first two games of the year, Louisiana Tech and especially the LSU game, he was pretty disappointed in uh, in his own efforts. He talked a little bit about missing some holes, uh, not not seeing the field the way he wanted to, not reacting the way he wanted to. Uh, obviously, that that drop on the fourth down touchdown against LSU that really kind of changed the momentum of the game. A lot of those things had him a little down in the dumps. They made it a point two weeks ago against Rice to get him some carries and get him get him going into a rhythm and I think you're finally starting to see him come out the other side of that of that little slump that he was in earlier in the season and be able to show off just how talented he really is. Well, and a lot of running backs talk about needing repetitions, needing more carries, needing to get into that groove and Keontae had some injuries, you know, kind of late in the in the summer early part of the season. And, and I think he just missed that time to really get into that rhythm and you're right, the Rice game and subsequent games They've focused on allowing him to have that opportunity. I, I'm wondering if he's just getting healthy and, and just kind of getting through his offseason program, if you will. Yeah, that. And also, I mean, if you look, if you look at the at the play calling for the first two games of the year, you won't, you'll never hear the coaches come out and say this. But there was definitely the, the fact that they were as thin as they were at running back for the first couple of games of the season had to factor into just how many touches they were giving. To their two healthy guys. I mean, they're they're a couple plays away from walk-ons being out there and and and, and playing. You know, it, it 
the situation got pretty dire there for a while. And now that they're starting to get some depth back at that position, they can really use those guys as the workhorses that they wanted them to be in this offense. Um, beyond the running backs, uh, we also talked a little bit about how the wide receiver position isn't necessarily what people thought preseason-wise. You know, four games into the year, Devin DuVernay is just absolutely killing it. This game was no exception. 12 receptions, um, 108 yards, touchdown. The next closest wide receiver in the game versus OSU had two catches for a Longhorn. That is that, that's as one side as it gets in a receiving core. Oh, without a doubt. And, uh, he, I mean, it, I don't think that they're looking to go to him on every play, but the way the offense is is designed, it, it's designed for that slot receiver. If you look back last year, the leading receiver was a little jump, Jordan Humphrey, who played in the same position mm-hmm. as Duvernay. I mean, if you look at the way that, that offense is designed, they're going to get a lot of, they're going to get a lot of chances for, for the guy playing in the slot. And also, uh, to that point, you know, Sam Elliott is just finding a lot of trust in Devin DuVernay. You know, I had a chance to talk to him after the game about just how much he really uh, he, he trusts Devin DuVernay, especially in, in key situations, third down, fourth down, money plays. Uh, he says Devin DuVernay has never dropped a pass and that that's a guy that he looks for every time. I mean, not necessarily looks for, but is uh, ha- is aware that if he has to throw the ball to him, it, it, he has a trust. Talk about the rapport you're developing with Devin. It seems like you're going to him a lot on third down, especially big third downs. Yeah, always, I've always trusted Devin. Um, I mean, hasn't dropped a pass in, in, in the game. So um, I know if I put the ball in his area and he has a chance to go get it, he's going to make a play. But um, for him to really move into slot and get more touches has helped develop that, um, that relationship that we have. So Duvernay's obviously the go-to guy in the Texas offense, at least from a, a wide receiving perspective. Uh, and I know Colin Johnson hasn't been on the field a whole heck of a lot over the last couple of weeks necessarily, but most people expected him to be the guy, you know, him to be the the, the, the stud in this machine. Is there anybody else that can step up while while Colin Johnson's out? Well, you've seen you've seen a little bit from from some of the younger guys. Malcolm Epps has had and John Berta both come in and played a little bit at that that spot. Uh, I don't think that the Colin Johnson injury is anything anybody's going to have to worry about too much going forward. I think I think they've kind of held him out as a precaution because they feel so good about some of those younger guys that they've got. Uh, but you know, number one, Johnson's been hobbled. He's only played a game and a half, really tops healthy. I mean, he got he hurt his hamstring against LSU and. You, I mean, it, it was kind of obvious on the field. And number two, when he is on the field, he's opening things up for those other guys because everybody is paying attention to him and rolling coverage is his direction. And that's opening up Duvernay and you know Jake Smith and, and Brennan Eagles and some of those other guys that, are, that have been able to make some big plays. Well, uh, I think if you ask Coach Herman, he would tell you the story of the game was the defense. Uh, even though OSU scored 30 points, that's where the focus of this ball game came from. And you look at some of the incredible playmakers that are on that offense for OSU. And while they had good games, they just they didn't win the ball game themselves. You know, uh, Hubbard came in as the leading uh, rusher in the nation, had 121 yards, which is a good game. But on 37 carries, he's not really uh, he's not being as effective as I'm sure that uh, the Cowboys wanted him to be. Um, and then. On top of that, you you go and look at uh, Tylen Wallace, who before the game, everybody was talking about that this might be the best receiver Texas faces all year. Five catches, 83 yards, nothing to sneeze at, but also 
not a real impact player. What did the Texas defense do to slow down those two uh, uh, incredible offensive performers? They they clearly went into the game with a game plan. You you can beat us with anybody but those two guys. I mean they were they were they were keying on the run. You mentioned you mentioned uh, Hubbard, and you know he had 121 yards on 37 carries. That's a, that's the 3.3 yards per rush. I mean yes, you don't want to give up a 100 yard rusher, but you've got to feel pretty good about that. Obviously Oklahoma State they 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 kept they kept pounding their head against the wall and they kept trying to run the ball, but. Uh, you got to feel really good about the way they were able to contain him and not really give up any big runs specifically. I think his longest run was 13 yards, uh, and that's, this is a guy who came into the game, you know, leading the country within the country in rushing before before the game. Uh, with Wallace, they 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 helped out their corners with with bracket coverage and with with trap coverage, and you know they they moved a lot of guys around and and really tried to say, hey, if you if you guys can make some of these, if Spencer Sanders can make some of these NFL type throws, they may beat us on a couple of long balls, which they did. But they're not going to get the easy, the easy outs and curls, and 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 Tyler Wallace isn't going to get a chance to run with it after the catch. And and you can feel pretty confident in in five for eighty three. I, I I think and the the one thirty five yard catch was really the only big play that he had. I think. Uh, I think if you're a Texas fan, you've got to feel really good about that. And Texas's ability to dictate to an explosive offense like that who how they were going to be able to move the ball rather than the other way around and Texas reacting to what Oklahoma State was doing. Well, and beyond that, now there's the concerns that come out of this. I guess we'll go with the lighthearted one first, but I, uh, OSU's found their quarterback of the future, I think. Yeah. Uh, Sanders I think, Sanders is going to be a headache for another couple years. Yeah, I think I think uh, it's not necessarily something people are looking forward to as facing Spencer Sanders for three more years or two more possibly if he if he <laughs> if he's as good as he could possibly be. Uh he's just I you saw you saw late in that game that he he has all the physical tools and we talked earlier about you know Sam Ellinger and how much more accurate he's become this year and it, it, it coming down to being more comfortable in the offense once once the game slows down for Spencer Sanders he's going to be a very very dangerous uh, quarterback to go up against I, I think for the next couple of years like you said yeah. well and, and then beyond that Texas calls themselves DBU and they've they've earned that moniker at least earn the right to fight for it. Yeah. And I think they're going to have to prove it in the next couple of weeks. Uh, losing cornerback Jalen Green is going to be out at least a month, it looks like. Uh, and then, you know, all Big 12 safety, Caden Stearns, also going to be out, looks like, you know, something like a month. Uh, they're they're going to have to go find some guys. Those are those are two really big injuries. Yeah. And, and Green, I mean, with Stearns, he's, he's probably the better overall player. But I think they will miss Green more, just because he's been the one stable force they've had at, at at cornerback. You know, they also they moved Josh Thompson over, let him play a little cornerback on the other side, and he got hurt. Unfortunately, he's going to probably miss the rest of the season with a broken foot. Uh, they're going to need some of those younger cornerbacks to to step up and 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 seize this opportunity. Some guys like Anthony Cook and Kobe Boyce. You know these guys. Uh, these guys came to Texas with a lot of hype, and they're going to have to find two two guys that that can come out there and go. With with Stearns, they should 
they're hoping to get B.J. Foster back, who can kind of help take some of the, you know, take some of that workload and make make him maybe not miss Stearns quite as much. I mean, obviously, you can't replace a guy like Caden Stearns. He was a freshman All-American, uh, potential All-American type player at, at safety and, and really already turning into one of the captains of your defense in, in the secondary. Uh, you can't just replace that guy, but you have more depth at, at safety and more guys you can move around to maneuver through that if you need to. Well, you said Foster hopefully coming back maybe after a bye week. Uh, also, uh, DeMarvion Overshone, another safety, maybe coming back after a bye week. Uh, they are at least getting some reinforcements back there. Right, and and uh, yeah, I think I think with with Foster, it's definitely going to help a lot more on the back end. Overshone can play kind of a hybrid nickel linebacker role and and give you some more options when it comes to attacking quarterbacks, which is going to be crucial. I mean, crucial for the next few weeks whenever you really get into the heart of conference play and you're playing some of the, the Big 12 offenses that you're going to face. Uh, he, he's just so versatile. I think he's just another 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 weapon in, in Todd Orlando's arsenal when it comes to dialing up blitzes and and, uh, and putting pressure on opposing offenses. Well, and and we've t- touched on a couple of injuries, but this team is beat up. This team's beat up bad. It's it's crazy for it to be this early in the season. And I mean, I the the injury report to be as long as it is. You know, usually when you get a bye this early, you've got enough guys healthy that you can just go to work and, and work on work on getting better as a team. You can use it as an extension of your fall camp. Uh, you know, after you've seen yourself on film a few games, you know, go back and maybe adjust some things. This week's going to be a lot of guys resting up and trying to get healthy. Uh, it, the injury bug is, has bitten the team pretty hard in the first few weeks of the year for sure. Even even the last few weeks of the summer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we go back to talk about the, the running back position. You know, you had to move Roshan Johnson from quarterback to running back. Usually that's that seems like a desperation move. It's it's worked out pretty well. I know I'm going to mention more of that later. Um, but you know, the running back they they were down to a point where everybody on the roster was hurt. <laughs> at least at least had some kind of injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and and you look at you look at some of the guys that 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 have gone in and out. I mean, you've got uh, you've got your best your best center. Zach Shackelford has has been battling a foot injury, and I mean that's 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 just another one of those. It, it, it you got to wonder about the luck. I mean, if, if the team was practicing on maybe like an Indian graveyard or something, <laughs> uh, <laughs> something during during the off season, or crossed a black cat, or mm-hmm. rocked under a ladder, or whatever. <laughs> well, and, and I guess this is where you have uh, part A and part B of creating a program that can compete for Big 12 championships or national championships. One, you got to recruit really well and two, you got to have a program that can grow those players and, and that's what Texas is going to have to rely on at this point. Oh yeah, and you know, the recruiting has obviously been at a high level since since Herman got there and and really on the defensive side of the ball was was at a high level even under Charlie Strong. Uh, I mean definitely picked up more on on the other side since Herman's been there. But, uh, I mean, there's some of these guys that are young. They're going to get called into service really soon, a little sooner than they probably would have liked. But 
that's why you recruit talent. I mean, you, you recruit talent and you recruit guys that you think can do it, and they're going to have to go out and, and show, that, show that they can. Are there any true freshmen out there, you know, with this new transfer rule where you've got four weeks to play, that you might could see slide into a role for a little bit and then maybe slide back to the bench after people get healthy? Uh, well, I mean, one of the thing about, things about some of those true freshmen is they're already – a lot of those guys are already on the borderline of four games where you're going to reevaluate uh, what you want to do with them. But nobody comes to mind that, that's going to come in and and save the day and then go back to redshirting. Honestly, I mean, it's unfortunately uh, the way things the way things have worked this season. They've they've had to they've had to reach pretty far down into the depth chart as it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we were talking about that's why this bye week is just so needed right now. I mean, the. You just have to hope that that a lot of these guys are able to get back and get healthy, maybe get a few reps in. We talked about some of them coming back, Overshone Foster, maybe uh, Johnson uh, out at wide receiver. Some of these guys could add a little boost if they're able to get back healthy and, and get a few practice reps in. Yeah, and Jordan Winnington's another guy that I'm not sure exactly how close he is, but they originally he, he had a sports hernia injury right when the season was starting. It was four to six weeks. He should be at the – the early end of that window coming out of the bye, I mean that's a that's a guy that they they were super high on through fall through fall camp and even back into the spring. Uh, he re- a converted wide receiver. He's playing running back for him. A guy that they expect to be super explosive and uh, another weapon for this offense. You know they like I said they're entering the the early part of that window. They're obviously not going to rush him back, especially because they've had such good play from their running back position mm-hmm. you know there, there's not a glaring need to bring him back faster than he needs to be here and, and with those sports and hernia injuries you don't want to you, know, you obviously want to make sure you're 100 percent healthy before you come back well and, and talk about that for a second with uh roshan johnson he's a quarterback coming in people are actually pretty excited about his ability to to play quarterback maybe redshirt a season learn from sam ellinger have that dual threat ability from the backfield uh after sam leaves um, and just literally overnight, he becomes a running back and looks like the real deal. It looks like this might – do you think that this could stick a little while? I I think they're going to have to reevaluate. They're going to have to sit down with him and reevaluate where he wants to go at the end of the season. I I know that he had developed pretty well as, as a quarterback as well. Uh, I think there's a future for him at running back if that's where he decides to stick. I think, I think the coaching staff is going to evaluate where he's needed more and where his ceiling is higher. Obviously, I, I think he'll get reps at quarterback. I don't think he's done with that. But I mean, the, I I could see in two years him being, him him having been a full time running back here at UT. Um, next up, you know, we've got a bye week this this coming week. Next up is going to be uh, West Virginia uh, on the road playing in Morgantown. Uh, I, I don't care what this West Virginia team offers. That's not an easy place to play. It's it's definitely not. And not only that, but it's really Texas's first true road game of the year. I know they went to Rice, but anybody that was watching that game on TV or, or in the crowd knows that that was not a road game. Yeah, You, know, you play at NRG Stadium, and, and it's an excuse to for a bunch of UT fans that live in Houston to all get together and, and, and go watch their team play for, for, for one night. Uh, you know, it's going to be a hostile environment. You know, I, the, the hype isn't quite what it's been in the past few years for West Virginia, but 
those those guys out there don't care. They're, it's an excuse for them to uh, to party and be hostile, and they're going to do both of those things very well. <laughs> well, and, and you know, and, and from one perspective, you are what your record says you are, and they're three and one. You know, uh, now they may have played James Madison and uh, really struggled with Kansas, which I know isn't a good sign for their future uh, atop the Big Twelve. But you know, they are a three and one ball club. Uh, that was a 29-24 loss, uh, win over Kansas. Excuse me, and but it was just a, it was a lot closer. What side of the fence do you feel like this this West Virginia team falls on? Are, are they a surprise candidate, um, or are they one that's still got a, a few more years of work to do? I think they've got some work to do, but I think if you look at where the the bottom end of the Big Twelve is catching up to the middle of the pack, as I think I think one of the things you kind of learned from that Kansas game. Kansas is Kansas is a little better this, this year than people expected. And with 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 West Virginia though, you know you've got kind of the tail two teams. You know the team that got just run off the field against Missouri, mm-hmm. and then the team that looked pretty good against NC State, and and then I mean it kind of depends on what you're going to get when they show up. This is a team that does still have some talent left over from last year. You know, a team that at at times looked like they could crack the top ten in 2018. Uh, you know, obviously they've they've had to replace some some key pieces, but just a few. Yeah, <laughs> but there's still some guys left over, and I mean, I I don't think that that program was left completely on blocks whenever Dana Holgerson left. I mean, I think I think there's probably I don't know. I think that's why Dana Holgerson. Left. <laughs> there's there's an argument to be made there uh, that that whole deal definitely came off a little shady on on everybody's end. Uh, you got to you kind of wonder how a team that was really a couple of plays away from having their best season maybe in in maybe in school history yeah. uh you know if you know you make a couple more plays you beat Oklahoma you get into the Big 12 championship game you know you could be talking about a possible playoff contender mm-hmm. uh but that's not this team no this no, no, that's no. not this team this I, I wrote down two words uh for the the preview of West Virginia new everything new everything I mean new head coach uh new quarterback Heck, their offensive coordinators coaching at Texas State right here down the road. So yes. um, they they literally have a new everything. And I, I was trying to get a feel for what West Virginia is. You know, after three and one, you would expect a fan base a fan base to be be pretty pleased at this point. You know, uh, and I went through and I started scrolling through the headlines and I found. Uh, Coach Neil Brown is already a master of game management. I thought, oh, man. <laughs> and then uh, the headline that followed was the, the, the kicker has been named Big 12 Special, special Teams Player of the Week. And I thought, God, yeah. if that's what you're bragging about, you're stretching pretty far right now. Yeah, yeah. It, like you said, you are what your record says you are. They are 3-1, and one, but I don't expect them to be 5-1 and one or 6-1 and one in a few weeks. Uh, I think this team's going to run into some reality, and I think it's probably going to start with Texas. But there's also the the big worry if you're Texas, coming off a of bye week, looking ahead to what go- comes the week after that. What comes the week after that with, with the showdown with Oklahoma? You don't want to be flat on the road against anybody, especially, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, I, I, I mentioned before, I think the, the bottom of the Big 12 is catching up to the middle of the pack where a lot of these teams are capable of, on, on your uh, one team's bad week and your good week, of pulling off an upset. And you can't walk into this game flat-footed or you're inviting potential trouble. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, 
you never want to look past the the opponent in front of you. I mean, it's a, it's cliche, but nonetheless, it's it's a cliche for a reason. I, I don't think Texas is going to have any issue at this point um, with West Virginia. Hopefully, a little bit healthier. Maybe even one of those games where you, you talked about not wanting to rush back Whittington. Well, you're not going to rush him back for uh, for West Virginia. Maybe maybe wait for OU on yeah. that one, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think. Uh, Anybody that's anybody that's really got some of those nagging injuries, you might want to sit them out one more week if you can possibly get away with it. Mm-hmm. I know that that's kind of as I mentioned before, kind of been the deal with Colin Johnson is not wanting him to come back and get re-injured and then well with the hamstring. Yeah. I mean, you're always worried about that. Oh yeah, for sure. And and those things, the problem with them is they are unpredictable as far mm-hmm. as when a guy comes back. Uh, but yeah, you, I, I think that you err on the, the side of caution and. It's not an all-hands-on-deck type of game. I, Coach, uh, Coach Herman mentioned before Oklahoma State that this was, an, uh, his quote was, an empty-the-chamber game, mm-hmm. which uh, I, I don't think he's going to say that about West Virginia. Yeah, it's not pulling Justin Verlander out of the bullpen on three days rest. Exactly, right? exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris, well, I re- really appreciate uh, the, the talk about Texas football here on the Sports Illustrated Longhorn Maven podcast. Uh, and you can find out more information all throughout the week or come talk football, uh, si.com slash college slash Texas. And uh, it was really good talking with you. You as well, Dalton. This has been a lot of fun.